0: Aloha. I'm so happy to have you here with us today. We're going to have a wonderful conversation. And it's um one of those topics that's kind of nobody expects that sometimes when we have experiences with our loved ones uh, dying, uh, it just comes out of the blue and we're not really prepared. And I think the more you hear about things like that and talk about it, then when it happens, you go, oh, I I remember, you know, I can take a breath. I can get through this. And surely, I forgot to ask you how to say your last name. Is it Thyssen? That's yes, right. Oh, yes. good. Yeah. <laughs> Shirley Beeson is here with us today. And she wrote a delightful book, The, the Little Black Funeral Dress. And I, I thought, okay, this is going to be interesting. And the story of the dress uh, itself, I thought was really interesting. So Shirley, if you could introduce yourselves to yourself to us and
1: then tell us about that little black dress. <laughs> Hmm, thank you. Well, I appreciate you inviting me to have this conversation. Well, um, I am Canadian. I'm here in Calgary, Alberta, and I'm married to my husband, Carrie, for 38 years. We have two kids. Um, our son, Jordan, lives in heaven, and our daughter, Chantel, lives here in Calgary with her husband. And, uh, you know, that the, the year 2012 is kind of where I'd like to invite you into my story, that year, both of my kids were at university. And, you know, I just knew that the year was going to be full of major milestones, particularly for my son. And of course it was. In January that year, he proposed to his girlfriend. And so we were so excited to be welcoming a new member to the family. Then in April, he graduated from university. Like, what a big milestone! We were so excited. And then there was this nationwide search for a job and i was so grateful that in june he landed a career job in our city he'd be living nearby with his future wife and then in october october 6 our son and his bride were married in an outdoor beautiful ceremony on a golf course here in calgary And I remember looking over to him and he was so happy and excited for the future. And my husband and I were kind of like high-fiving each other, you know, like our son is officially launched. He's now happily married, gainfully employed and off our payroll. Like life was great. So we celebrated by going down to California for a vacation. And uh, I remember October 18th, that morning was a beautiful day. I wanted to go to the pool with my book, but first I had to run an errand. I needed to buy something for our kitchen. And I decided I'm just going to shop like my husband does you know, just in and out, find it, buy it, take it home, done. But as I walked into the store, I was quickly distracted by a rack of summer dresses on clearance. So forgetting that I was in a hurry, I went over to have a quick look. Well, there was a black dress among these other lightweight dresses that clearly did not belong, but I was really attracted to it. I liked how it was sewn, I liked the design, the fabric was soft and it was um, beautifully lined, but it wasn't my size. I didn't need a dress, I put it back. But as I walked away, I heard these words, I want you to buy that black dress. You are going to a funeral. Well, my head whipped around to see who said that. There were people in the store, Emily, but no one was near me. Confused, I continued to walk away. And this time I could read the words in my head like a news ticker. Before I knew it was happening, I'm in the change room standing in front of this full length mirror wearing the dress. It fits so comfortable. It felt like a hug. But my rational thought was this. I don't know anyone who has recently died. I have no funeral to attend. Besides, I already have a black dress in my closet. Like, what am I doing? But that message repeated. You know, I've heard God whisper to my spirit. I felt his nudges, but never before did I receive such a bold directive. I could not avoid it. I bought the dress, unsure to whose funeral I was meant to wear it. Well, I didn't have long to wait to figure out the reason behind this message. A few hours later at our condo, a California police officer was at our door. In a matter of moments, my worst nightmare began to unravel. Our son Jordan, 23 years old, married 12 days had been killed in a workplace accident. You know, it took me a few moments to connect the dots. That black dress, the one I had just purchased. Now I knew to whose funeral I was meant to wear it. My son's funeral. And I sobbed in disbelief. But you know, at the same time, this verse came to my mind from Deuteronomy thirty-one, eight. It says, the Lord himself goes ahead of you. He is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. That black dress felt like a tangible gift from my heavenly father to say, I know what you're going through. I see what's happening and I want to give you this gift of a dress as a tangible reminder of my presence with you. And wearing that dress gave me the courage to give a 23-minute tribute to my 23-year-old son on my darkest day, his funeral. Wow. I'm amazed that, that you can share that so easily with us and so beautifully. I usually have a breakdown afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would think so. I think
0: I probably will, too. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine i i have uh, my dad bought an ambulance company when i was uh, 13 years old and so i started going on ambulance calls when i was 14 which was okay by the law at that time and i've i've seen and experienced so many things that uh, most people would never experience in a lifetime so i'm i'm very familiar with things happening but i i have a tendency to um, whatever somebody's feeling around me that is kind of what I absorb and express. If somebody else cries, then I'm crying right along with them. Right. right. So I, I just thought that story was so, so beautiful. The, the idea of the, the dress was it was your dress and it was right there and it was for you. And it, it served such a beautiful purpose. And, and to know the comfort that you had from
1: from that happening is mm-hmm. just gorgeous. And you know, Emily, here's the challenge. I wear that dress to every funeral that I attend, but as I'm aging, I'm getting a little fluffier. Shall we see, say? And so, this is my um, incentive to keep fitting into that dress. It's, it's oh. becoming more of a challenge, and uh, but I am so determined to, because it's such a meaningful dress, and that lining is a is a beautiful purple. Mm -hmm. And purple is traditionally the color of royalty. And it was like my heavenly father was saying, you are my daughter, the daughter of the most high king. And I want you to remember whose you are. Because I think so much of the time when we're grieving a loss, our identity feels like it is blown apart. We don't know who we are anymore. And so the very foundation of who I am is that I belong to my Father God. And that again is just another symbol of his love. And I so am grateful for that.
0: That that's so beautiful. It's so wonderful when we can find what the the good is to be grateful for in a situation that that is is tragic. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other thing that that I I really admire about you is the the work you're doing with the notification. I don't remember what that was called. The yeah, the death notification. Death
1: notification with the police department. Yes. Yeah, and that was an opportunity I didn't see coming. It just um, it was remarkable how the officers in Calgary that had made every effort to. Um, have the police in California bring us the news themselves. But what happened actually was they gave us a phone number to call. So we got the news over the phone from the officer in Calgary, which was what he'd worked so hard to avoid. And so two years after our son died, these police officers that had been involved in that phone call asked if they could come and see us they wanted to explain how they'd worked so hard to avoid the very thing that happened because there's something about getting it over the phone that just feels so harsh. And so I couldn't believe how kind and compassionate they were. And then I found out that one of the officers had just started this death notification course because up to that point, police officers were not trained how to bring the most devastating news to a family and um he just asked if i would mind sharing what it was like to be a civilian on the other side of that door when a police officer comes and 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 kind of share like why it is so important to put aside that authoritative hat and now become this empathetic and compassionate person and so i am honored to have done that since 2015 and i I believe it's making a difference for future families that they will have an officer there who is full of empathy and compassion. That's, that's so beautiful.
0: I, I was reminded of when the man who was the best man in my wedding to my first husband who died, they they were really close, my husband and his best friend. And they were both involved in an organization at the, the college where they they taught and it was a big college district so our our friend lived about 55 miles away from us and they had a, a he was stepping down as president of that organization and my husband was stepping up into being president of the organization and so he was in town for that and he'd had a really long day it was his birthday and it was a really really long day and he needed to drive home, and we said, hey, "You're so tired. Stay, stay with us tonight. You know, there's no no reason for you not to stay with us." And he said, "No, I I need to get home. Got to feed the dog and all that sort of thing." So, uh, he he left. He'd spent a great deal of time talking to both of my kids, and he was very close to them. And a couple, maybe an hour after that, the phone rang. And it was his his fiance. They they had the, all the wedding invitations sent out. Uh, she had her dress. My daughter was a bridesmaid. You know, everything was all ready to go for the wedding. It was about a week away, maybe two weeks away. And she was hysterical. And I said, "What what's wrong? What you know? What's going on?" And mm-hmm. she she just she could barely even talk. And finally, she said that that John had been killed in an accident. Oh my! And. I had answered the phone, so my husband was saying, what's happening? Because he could tell that I was upset and trying to get something out of whoever it was I was talking to, and I just turned around, and I regret this till this day. I said, John's dead, because that was was just what came out, and I felt so bad about telling him that way, and I felt so sorry for Renee, and so we just got in the car and drove up there, but it took over an hour to get there. Uh, but, and of course we had to drive right through where the accident was and it was uh, quite traumatic. So when, when you're here, and I, you know, I've given the news to people before both with the ambulance and uh, I worked as a nurse for, to put me through college to do something else, but uh, it, it's not something that I hadn't done before, but that time was just so And she said they, the police officers just came to the door and they weren't going to tell me anything because I wasn't his wife. And mm-hmm. so she said, but we're getting married in a couple of weeks. Here's the invitations. And so they finally decided to tell her and cause they just, they just, she wasn't officially the next of kin. And so oh, that, yeah. that made it that much harder on her. And I just thought, wow, what what a, a thing to have to do to give that kind of news. And I can, I can just hear the love and, and support and compassion in your voice when, when you speak about what you do, how wonderful it would be to have somebody there that could hold the space for you.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. And, you know, um, very sadly, I had to give the news to my daughter-in-law oh. over the phone. Oh, wow. I called her. I knew she was at work. She didn't have, she just moved to our city. So she didn't have, um, other than an aunt and uncle and a couple cousins, she really didn't know very many people. She was at work and um, I phoned and it it went to the voice message because she was working. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. Um, And then I quickly called her mom and asked her mom to drive from the city that she was in into Calgary, hoping that she could give her the news in person. And then Elise called me back and I was like, oh, and, you know, just trying to tell this beautiful 22 year old bride that she was now a widow. I mean, it just, Mm -hmm. I can't even remember what I said, but you know, at some point you just, you know, you just have to tell them and you can't skirt around it anymore. And, and I, oh, she knows I've told her that it's just, it, it was so difficult for me. And I'm so sorry if I said things that, you know, the way it came out, but she is so gracious. And, and she just said, I knew something was wrong before, before I even talked to you. I just knew something was wrong. And so, and again, those police officers went to her workplace and, you know, she remembers saying that one of those officers who she didn't know, he had tears in his eyes as he was giving her more details and and that made such an impression on her. So, yeah, so this death notification part with with police officers is a really meaningful way to recycle my pain and that I'm grateful for. Um,
0: I I never thought about lay people being able to work with
1: police officers on something like that. What what a beautiful thing to do. Hmm. Thank you. And it, you know what, every time I share that story with the police officers, the next day I have this vulnerability hangover, just as I will likely after our conversation today. And, you know, it, so it's not like this is easy. This is not easy to share. But when you know that there is such a meaningful purpose for sharing, it gives me courage to do it. That's so beautiful.
0: This beautiful, so kind to to you know the kindness is something that we lack in the world nowadays. Mm.
1: Oh yes, yes.
0: I always uh, appreciate when I can notice kindness and point it out and be grateful and be grateful to people when the kindness is given toward me. It's just so incredibly important, and this is such an amazing time for people to need someone to
1: be kind to them. Oh, absolutely. You never forget who was kind to you when you felt the most vulnerable. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. What advice would you have to someone about talking to, talking to someone who has just lost someone? If I'm making sense there, it's because people say some of the stupidest things. I've just heard really bad things that people say because they just they don't they don't know. I I don't I really don't think that they're trying to cause harm or or, uh, sorrow or that kind of a reaction, but they just don't know what to say mm mm-hmm.
1: yeah. and that was me, that was the younger me. I did not know um what to say to my grieving friends and I regret so much some of the platitudes that I thought were just acceptable and normal like like, well, at least you have other children. <laughs> my daughter-in-law often heard, well, at least you're still young, like you'll you can find another husband. And she said, oh, I just wanted to scream and just say, but I want Jordan. Like, he's my groom. And so so those are some of the things not to say. But what I really feel is that people need to remember that there is a difference between sympathy and empathy. And we need to emphasize the empathy. So while sympathy is almost like a passive pity, it's being concerned, but kind of keeping that griever at an arm's length. It's kind of relating to them with the head, but not the heart where empathy, it's feeling with somebody. It's actually imagining what it's like to experience what they've just experienced. Letting yourself think about that and just go, I am with you. You are not alone and recognizing that it is so important to let that person know that they are important to you, that you are gonna validate their feelings as worthy of your empathy and compassion. And um, there actually are kind of four steps that I've come up with that make an acronym LAPP, L-A-P-P, that help me remember um, how to respond to that grieving person. So I say, well, first it's all about listening there really are no magic words to relieve them of their pain. You can't fix the pain of their loss, but you can help to carry it. And you carry it by simply being present to them and listening, whatever they wanna share and not saying something like, oh, I'm so sorry to make you cry. You know, because often we're uncomfortable with tears ourselves, but just actually like you, Emily, you say you cry so easily with other people. Like what a gift. I loved it when people just cried with me because I really felt like they were identifying with my pain and that was a beautiful gift. And so listening is is first and foremost and then acknowledge the loss. A is for acknowledge. And this is really just saying, I understand your feelings are real. And I want to remember your loved one with you. I want, to, I want to encourage you just by thinking of them with you, sharing memories. Particularly if I knew that person who had just died, I might say something like, you know, I will never forget how your husband loved you. Like I, no one could miss just the affection that he had for you and the way he spoke about you. Like just sharing something that would just encourage them to know that you noticed those things. And then the P in this acronym LAP is for PRAY. I am a woman of faith and I believe so strongly in the power of prayer. There are things that I cannot do for that grieving person that I would long to that I'm asking and inviting God to do for them. And one of the things I appreciated about my caring friends who I affectionately call them hope heroes. They lent me hope when mine was just leaking out. They believed for me that there could be a better day, that I was going to survive this trauma. And because they believed that it gave me courage to believe that too. And partly is because they prayed for me and my family. And then the last P is for patiently be present. You know, the younger me had this terrible notion that grief is, you know, kind of wrapped up in a year or two, then it's over. Like, no, nothing could be farther from the truth. I will grieve the rest of my life for my son until I reach heaven. But, you know, and yes, it will soften over time, but that loss is top of mind every day. And so I, I was so shocked just to find that out that this is, this is not a sprint. It's a marathon and there is no, there's no prize for speed. And so I really encourage people to think like, don't push your grieving friend to like, like, aren't you over it now? Like, maybe you should put those pictures away. Maybe you should stop talking about it, you know, and just always be checking in let me give you one just example of a friend who is just an amazing hope hero is my friend, Corrine. She and I don't see each other very often, but she's chosen to do something that's remarkable because Jordan died on the 18th day of October. Corrine has sent me a text on the 18th day of every month, January to December for nine and a half years. Wow. And these texts are varied. Sometimes it's just um, telling me how much she misses Jordan too. She remembers him as a little guy that played with her son. Sometimes she tell, writes out a prayer. Sometimes it just tells me how much she cares for me and she remembers Jordan with me. But you can imagine how that is so impactful that she is showing me that she is patiently be present because this has been going on for almost 10 years it's amazing so those are four steps i believe that we can all do for a grieving friend that's so beautiful people generally are are at a loss
0: yes and i i know people said to me so often i'm sorry for your loss and i at first i, I was I I admit I was kind of angry when people said that. So I thought that sounds so trite like you can't even bother to think of something to say. But then I realized they were doing the best they could. I mm. tried to to look at myself in their shoes and and what I have been able to do any better. And so I and the other thing they'd say is uh, how are you doing? Mm. And that they don't want to know. <laughs> they really yeah. don't. Want <laughs> but I, I got to the point where I just would say, every time, I'm doing the best I can. Right. Because yeah. I was. It was an honest answer. Yeah. But it's it's so nice, what the, the way you've just described it with the help and support. And the, with the, It's so compassionate and kind mm. and important. I love keeping him in in touch. That's just just really special.
1: Oh, absolutely. Anyone who asked me about, um, in fact, just recently someone asked me what Jordan was like. I must have went on for 20 minutes. It was just so exciting to have someone ask me about him and just describe what he was like and what I miss about him and yeah, that's not an off, often a question we get asked ten years after our loved one has died. But honestly, it just it, it made me feel so validated. Loved it.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's great. That's that's the one thing I I advise people when they say, "Well, what, what should I say?" and say, "Tell them a memory about mm-hmm. the person who's who's not there," and they. They kind of feel kind of a sense of relief when I say something like that because they hadn't thought of that, and, and most people have something they can say. I've got um, Jacques. Oh, he died in two thousand and six, and his his cousins are they're all his age and. They're all still here, and they're all on Facebook. (laughs) And so every once in a while, they'll say, oh, we miss him so bad. Or I I found a a picture of him that I hadn't seen before, uh, long before I knew him. I I just barely recognized him because he looked so different when when I knew him. But I I sent it through Facebook to one of his cousins, and she was so excited. She was just thrilled. Uh. And so although I felt like, you know my loss as as a wife is, should be the the really strong thing i realized she'd been with him her whole life
1: right and
0: they they were very close and she was just thrilled that i i still remembered him and that she could reflect on what he was like at that point in his life and uh it it's so nice to just Say something kind. I, I mm-hmm. still have people tell me um, how much they enjoyed uh, listening to Jacques sing or seeing him act because he he was he was character, and, wow. and he loved life and and really enjoyed it. And his voice was beautiful. He used to sing me the, the song, My Funny Valentine, and then apologize. <laughs> because he's if you knew what that song, you know, the words are really not that great. It sounds like it's such a romantic song, but if you really <laughs> it just, I love the way you sing it. That's what I'm listening to. I'm listening to your ah. voice i'm knowing that it's a love song to me and that's all that counts. And so you okay. can stop apologize for singing something to me that you <laughs> really want to sing. So they're, they're wow. just uh, fun things like that. and, and somebody's mm-hmm. all always saying something nice about uh, Ron my other husband who died because he was always building people up and mm-hmm. encouraging them to learn more do more be be their best and so many people gain so much from him I'm always hearing things about somebody's telling me oh I remember when Ron did this and and I yeah. love that it's so nice when people can smile about your loved one. Yeah. And
1: say something positive. It, it's wonderful. And what a legacy that both of them have left. Mm-hmm. And and I think one of the things I really have kind of fastened on to is to choose some of the things about my son that were remarkable about him and choose to continue on. And what one of those is he used to write us cards all the time. Oh. And uh either there was a card that he wrote to his dad and i just a few days before he died and it means the world to me and um he went on one of the things he said he says both of you have been amazing parents for the last 23 years i wouldn't trade you guys for anything and uh you know he was always kind of humorous as he was also um affirming and so that's one of the things I've chosen to honor his life with is just his, um, his skills at, at encouraging people through cards and, and words. That's beautiful. How, how about your daughter? How does she do with this whole experience? Well, uh, we were talking about this at the other day, actually. Um, My husband is very more quiet about his grief and I've become very vocal about my grief. So we were polar opposite and grieving very differently. And my daughter is somewhere in the middle. So she has chosen to um, join me sometimes when we've done a grief workshop at a local university. We've done that like three hours at a time at <laughs> class. Mm. And, um, and but because she's not as vocal sort of verbal as I am sometimes I discover things as she's speaking about it in front of a class like for example she told this class that she was really mad at her brother um, for leaving her with the the bulk of the responsibility of caring for their aging parents and I I looked at her because I was standing at the front with her and I said I am right here (laughs) 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 like like, what are you saying but that's a legitimate concern that she has felt and that I didn't know that she and, and Jordan apparently had already talked about that when my husband and I get older we would live with Jordan on his big acreage that he would buy one day and he would build us a little house on the corner of the property and that's where we would live and now that he's gone well, now it's up to her. And and she's not not as um, I don't know, excited about that. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, isn't it interesting that it doesn't come out until she spoke it with strangers? And so I actually look forward to doing more of these workshops with her because there's always something I will learn about what she's thinking that she maybe hasn't expressed to me. That's but, that, that's
0: so cool. <laughs> Uh, sometimes we we just don't think about what's not said and what's not said can be
1: as important, if not more important uh, as the things that we talk about. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And, and she does things differently too. Like uh, our son had a pair of glasses that we'd bought him. He usually wore contacts, but he had this pair of glasses. And so she wanted to keep those. She popped out the lenses because she doesn't need glasses and on those days that she would wear his glasses, I knew she was missing him particularly more than ever. And so, yeah, we all have our different kind of ways that we express our grief.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we do. And it's it's really nice when you can pick up on what's working for somebody else and, and what you can do. I know one of the things that I have... Um, People to I, I work with people in, in doing writing when they're grieving to help themselves because that, that's what I did before I wrote my book. I was writing a lot, but not not for my book, but for me with dealing with my grief. And one of my favorite things to do was to to write whoever it was because I've lost a lot of people besides my husband and whoever it was that I was thinking about or dealing with. Sometimes I just couldn't get it out of my mind, so I would sit and write them a letter. Mm-hmm. And tell them what I would be telling them if they were sitting there in front of me, and tell you know, just write until I was done. And then, when I was through with the letter and signed it Love Me or whatever it was, I'd start another letter from them back to me to see what the response was. Interesting. Yeah, I always get some kind of a response and I can't tell you for sure whether it's what I want to hear, <laughs> <laughs> you know, or if, if it's coming from a higher source or from them. I, I don't I can't say for sure, but I know it's comforting. I know mm-hmm. I I learn a lot by by doing that. And when when I have people do that when we're working on it, they're just just amazed that they've uh, I've had people that had real difficulty with their parents and then their parents died and they didn't have a chance to work things out before they died. And they wrote those letters and they said it it changed their feelings about them positively Mm -hmm. forever. They they were so glad they did it because they, they, if they hadn't worked it out by not just thinking about it and having it rattling around in their head, but really working it out by writing it out, it made a really big difference for them.
1: Oh, definitely. No, I think that's very great therapy too. I know that sometimes you don't think you're making any progress on your brief mm-hmm. journey until you go back and read what you wrote maybe a few months ago. And then you go, Oh, you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm in a better place than I was six months ago or nine months. And yeah, that's a, that's a really great habit to have yeah, it it is. I I do
0: it uh, a lot because uh, it it helps you kind of track your journey, and mm-hmm. it's not that I feel like I need to track my journey, but I know that it feels really good when I'll read something and go, oh wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've I've had been dealing with that, and I I have, and I think about things differently now because I did work it out instead of just worrying about it. Right. Right. Oh, that's great. Well, this has been just a a wonderful conversation. I've learned a lot from you, and I'm sure our listeners will, too, that there's a lot of good stuff that they can actually use and put into action in their lives that will provide them comfort as much as they can comfort somebody else with it. Mm -hmm. So I I really appreciate you you taking the the time to be on on this podcast and, and sharing these very important things with us.
1: Oh, thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate that you're opening up the conversation. And um, this is an important one to have about grief and loss. And how how do we navigate that? That's right.
0: Well, thank you very much. I will have on the show notes how you can uh, get your copy of The Little Black Funeral Dress. It's, it's a very good read. I, I think that uh, it will really help people. So I I think
1: that uh, I, I encourage you to read the book. It's not sure. a real long one, so. No, you know, I, I specifically wrote a short book because the younger me, well, particularly those of us who are just new in, in our grief journey, it's difficult to read. At least mm-hmm. I found it very difficult to retain anything. I needed something that was just short to the point. And even for non-readers like my husband, Uh, even he could get through 92 pages. And so that was, that was part of the reason why, but I uh, thank you for um, recommending my book. And there is a free PDF that I have on my website, invite people to go see if you just want some ideas, uh, further ideas of how to support your grieving friend um, It's available there on my website. Oh, that's
0: wonderful. And that your website, too, will be in the show notes. So you can just click on the click and then you can have it, too. So Sorry. thank you so much. And I'm, I enjoyed meeting you and, and getting to talk to you. And I'll be back next week for my listeners and we'll have yet another nice conversation. So thank you. Aloha. Right. Aloha. you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode